12. Mark chapter 12, please. You know, the pastor's saying I'm smarter than him. I don't really know about that. I just, I'd argue that intelligence can be different depending on the situation, but I go to him for anything medical, obviously. Mark chapter 12. <laughs> and we'll go to verse 28. So this might be some familiar verses for each and every one of you who read the scriptures. Mark 12 and verse 28, the Bible says, And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, and perceiving that he had answered them well, okay, and in this case the Lord was responding to some um, to Sadducees who asked that question about the woman who married some guy, and then he died and married again, happened seven times, and she died. Who's she going to be with in heaven? The idea was to try to trip him up. And he just told them that they err. They don't know the scriptures nor the power of God. They're completely wrong. And so a scribe heard this and noticed he answered very well. Okay. And so now he asks, so verse 28, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, comma, so right after this, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength, this is the first commandment. But of course, the Lord goes above and all that we ask or think. It's verse 31, okay? And the second is like, because he just can't help it, right? Amen. He's got to give truth. Namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. And the Lord also mentions in Matthew 22, verse 40, don't turn there, he continues there and mentions that on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. It's the summation of the entire Old Testament. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for this morning, Lord, and we thank you for this chance for us to come together here at Grace and Truth Church to learn more about you and your word. And Father, I just ask you to fill us with the Spirit of God as you allow us to review uh, these two great commandments and consider why the Lord decided to choose these words and how important each and every one of these words are. And Father, we give you thanks and praise for all things, especially for the salvation that was given by your Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. And that's what I want to look at this morning, these two great commandments. It's pretty clear that when he was answering the scribe, who happens to be someone who not only knew the law but actually copied it, okay, he wanted to give something that had a lot therein to really summarize the entirety of the Hebrew scriptures of this man, okay? So we can hear another answer that was more than well. It was greater than that. It was excellent, you see, to touch his heart. And if I were to do a series on this, okay, I might read the next two verses, and you notice that this scribe actually received this truth, and then Jesus Christ tells him, you're pretty close to the kingdom of God, okay? And so what I'd like to do this morning is simply look at these two great commandments with a little bit more exactitude, if you will, and think about them, okay? And then we'll try to conclude and see whether or not in the New Testament we fulfill these two commandments. Because you could do a series on this, to be honest, and I kind of already started one back home. So <laughs> for those who want all the detail, you can listen to that, okay? But in the first great commandment, notice that in Mark 12, verse 29, interestingly, it starts off saying, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and that's the Shema from Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, okay, for those who don't know. Okay. Now, what's interesting is every time I think of the first commandment from all the preaching I've heard, okay, usually we think about the second part in verse 30. 
Okay? We, we don't actually look at that first part. It's kind of like we forgot that was part of the section. Okay? But the reality is that we need to hear the true and living God. That's what he's saying right there, right? Okay? I was listening to the radio show this morning. We had a couple of brethren here. We had Pastor, uh, Brother Mark, and uh, John G, uh, Giuseppe was there. And they were talking about the reality and how devils, they can identify God. They kind of know who he is in that respect. Okay? But they don't listen to him. They don't hear him. That's why it starts off saying, hear. That's actually more important, okay, than anything else. But then greatly, the Lord mentions there the Shema, the Lord, one, our God, two, is one Lord, three, he's triune, okay? So it starts off with you recognizing that the God of Israel is not only the one true God, but he's triune, okay, and that he should be heard. There's a moral obligation to that, ladies and gentlemen. That's how truth works. It obligates, okay? You're accountable to it, you see? And so, obviously, God manifests in the flesh starts with that. Are you listening, scribe? Okay, are you listening? See? And one of the biggest problems I had for 24 years was I wasn't listening to the God of Israel. I was just listening to everybody else who claimed to follow him, see? And so it's important to listen to the word of God, pun intended. See that? Okay. We have to open our ears, okay? Be willing not only to hear from the true God, but receive his words. Because if we don't do that, we can't fulfill the rest of the first commandment. Does that make sense? You can't even love him right if you don't know who he is and you're not willing to hear what he said. Does that make sense? Okay. I can't say I love my own parents if I don't listen to what they're telling me and I don't recognize who they are. Okay. I'd be disobeying them left and right whether I knew it or not. Does that make sense? Okay. And so I like how the Lord Jesus Christ starts off with this to make it clear to the scribe that, yes, that, that's the thing that everything hangs on. It starts there, okay? We talk about the Ten Commandments and how great those commandments are, how they basically lay out the future for humanity because those things shall not happen, okay? And that's, that's pretty blunt and 100% absolute there, shall not, okay? But we forgot who was talking, you see? Both of those things are important. It's the spirit and the word, not one or the other, see? And so we need to consider that reality, okay? How many times did Jesus Christ say, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear? How many times? Okay, I should have checked, okay? I just know it's too many, okay? <laughs> it's everywhere. He keeps saying that for a reason, okay? Now, on the importance of the Shema, go to 1 Corinthians 8. 1 Corinthians 8. If you think the Shema is something that's Old Testament, well, let Paul correct you. 1 Corinthians 8, please. I get why we take it for granted, brothers, because we have the fullness of the revelation, which I'll quote in a second, in the King James Bible anyway. But in 1 Corinthians 8, get another Bible and you only have pieces of that verse. 1 Corinthians 8 in verse 4, Apostle Paul says, as concerning, therefore, the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world, and that there is none other God but one. There it is. He's quoting the Shema right there. Okay? But now Paul's going to add to this and use the Shema in order to explain the truth about God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he continues in verse 5. For though there be that are called gods, whether in heaven and earth, as there be gods many and lords many, but to us... There is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we in him, 
And one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And for those who don't know, that he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit, the Bible says. That's all three right there. Okay. And so right embedded in there, kind of like an adumbration or a shadow, if you will, in the Shema is the truth of the Godhead that has been revealed to us. And Jesus Christ quotes this in anticipation of what he's going to end up revealing It's going to be very clear in his resurrection, everyone who believes on him, the truth of the Godhead. Okay? And that means us, who are living 2,000 years after that, okay, we need to receive that truth and hear what God is saying, okay? Because without that, we have no capacity to love him properly. And that leads us to the next section here. Go back to Mark 12. Mark 12. Mark 12 and verse 30. If you, if you like, you can leave a, a marker there. So we'll be going back and forth. Mark 12 and verse 30, the Lord Jesus Christ says, okay, the word incarnate, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. And I mentioned the Ten Commandments, how they say that thou shalt not do these things. Notice, if you eventually hear the true God of Israel and you receive his words, you shall one day love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. Now, admittedly, you know, I, I don't do this 100% of the time, okay? But thank God I can at least start because of the foundation that no man lay but that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ, right? And so it starts there. But one day I shall love my God with all my heart all the time, okay? Think, think about that for a second, okay? Another thing to think about is that there's actually four phrases here, Okay? Because so it says all thy heart, and then it says, and with all thy soul. Let's talk about something else. I thought they were the same thing. Okay. So this morning, this is why I'm doing this in Sunday school. We'll do a little bit of biblical anatomy and think about ourselves. Because apparently, the Lord took the time to mention all these parts. Okay. He could have just said, I love you with all your soul and let, and let it be, but he didn't do that. Okay. So we're going to look at all these things and think about what they actually refer to scripturally And maybe some of this stuff might agree with something you've heard before, and maybe not. But I'll let you be the judge of that. Let the Spirit of God work with your heart on it. I'll give you what I think he's given me. Okay? Starting with the heart. You need to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. Go to Psalm 13, please. Psalm 13. What is the heart? Is it the soul? Okay? Nine times out of ten, if you told me that, I'd be fine with it. Okay? Okay? In fact, I wouldn't discuss these differences with anybody except King James Bible believers in the English language. Okay, I wouldn't because you need to actually believe every word in order to see these differences. <laughs> Otherwise, you're just thinking, oh, it's just a different feeling of the message and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Okay, I'm pretty sure you've heard that at some congregations in this area. Okay, in my area, it's more like Grace Church and Northview. Those are the ones that are a little more, you know, energetic with the rock music and all that stuff. Okay, not too much about the word. Okay. But in Psalm 13 and verse 2, we're about the word here, right? Let's take a look here. And we got David speaking in a psalm. I thought this was poetry, preacher. It is. Doesn't mean it doesn't have doctrine in it. Okay. It could be both. It's not either or. Okay. Don't, don't let people bifurcate you. You need to understand the scriptures are, they lift you up. They're multidimensional in their application. Okay. But in Psalm 13 and verse 2, David says, a man after God's own heart, so maybe he knows what he's talking about. How long shall I take counsel in my soul? 
Okay, we're talking about your soul here. Having sorrow notice in my heart daily. How long shall mine enemy be exalted over me? And here he talks about the soul, and that, the, that phrase there seems to be equating the soul and heart in some way. Okay? It's because of the sorrow in his heart that he's taking counsel and trying to figure out what he's going to have to do with the enemy and going to God to get answers. Okay? But notice this, Psalm 84. Psalm 84 and verse 2. The psalm for the sons of Korah. Okay. Here the Bible says, My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. Colon. So it's going to explain more. My heart and my flesh. Wait, what? Okay. What's going on there? Is it just my heart? It's almost like it's saying the soul is more than that. But it's at least that. Okay. For those who know a little bit about some of the diagrams that preacher draws, it's like drawing a circle and then a little one in the middle. Okay? That's how you would identify this. See that? My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. For those who are wondering why it says my flesh, the soul in the Old Testament sometimes refers to the, the body and the soul together. Other times it's separated. It's something you learn. Okay? But since we have two parts now, it seems like the best I could say is that a heart is part of the soul in some way. Okay? Now, it's a very significant part, no doubt about it. Okay, so much so that Jesus Christ identified it, okay, as principle after hearing God. He wanted you to love there first. And what he's talking about that we go and we, we preach the gospel to change hearts, don't we? You see that? So what is the heart? Well, it seems to be emotional, okay, right? He's talking about his sorrow there. He's having counsels there. He's longing and pining there for God to respond and help him through a trial, okay, so it's that personality, that seed of our being, if you will. Okay? The Bible identifies that the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, right? And is a discerner of the thoughts, notice that, thoughts and intents of the mind. Is that what it says? Of the heart. Wait, my heart just pumps blood. What are you talking about? Okay? No, this is a different heart, ladies and gents. Okay? And it has thoughts and intents as well, okay? So now we're digging here, okay? So the question is, what is it then, okay? Well, it's part of our soul. It seems to have thoughts and intents, okay? And if I were to continue this study through, you'd find out that there's counsels there like we saw in Psalm 13, okay? You're, we talked about your emotions are there, your longing, your sorrow is dealt through there, okay? It's kind of like the seat of your being, okay? But also you find out that there's imaginations. Every time it talks about imagination, it's actually tied to the heart. Isn't that right, Preach? And that's something that people don't think about. We usually think it's here because this is where we talk about we imagine stuff when we were kids and stuff. No, it's here, okay? Because the imagination in the scriptures aren't good ones, okay? There are incorrect thoughts about God or about the world, our worldview, if you want to translate that in an academic language, that affects how we assess the world, Okay? When we reason about things within ourselves and consider what we already know and compare it to what we're learning now, that's stuff that happens in our heart. Okay? And so that's why God wanted to save that thing. And that's why the Holy Ghost is shed abroad in your heart by faith if you got saved. Because if he changes that, okay, and that motivates your intent, you purpose to live for God, it affects the rest of you. From the inside out is how we preach it, right? But now we're seeing what part. See that? Okay? 
We'll skip the next phrase for a second, with all thy soul. We'll come back to that. Let's look at with all thy mind, and you'll see why in a second. Okay. With all thy mind. Go to Job 23. Job 23. <clears throat> One thing I also me- forgot to mention, brethren, is that the Bible says that the law is written in your heart, not in your mind. Okay. Which is why we all know about morality, by the way. Okay. We all know that killing babies is wrong. I don't care if you're an atheist or whatnot. You're lying to yourself. Okay. Job 23, it's just subjective. Well, let me send you to a country where they do that. It just happened a week ago, okay? Send you over there to the Gaza Strip, and let's see if you're going to go ahead and say it's okay, all right? Job 23, unbelievable. Some of the stuff we're hearing from uh, political public relations advisors, but Job 23, Job 23 and verse 12, Job says, okay? We'll start in verse 11 because I like all this stuff here. It's good stuff here. My foot hath held his steps. So he's, he's talking about holding the steps of God. He's hearing him, okay? His way have I kept and not declined. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. There's the word right there. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Have you had moments like that? Remember when I first got saved and I was clamoring for the word of God, there were moments where I wouldn't eat. I was doing it, okay? Admittedly, now I have a cup of coffee in the morning when I'm reading my Bible. Okay, well, that's really about it. The point is, I feel wrong if I don't read the scriptures. Is that where you're at? Okay, is it part of your day-to-day? That's how he felt. Okay, he probably read the Bible, so to speak, before he decided to eat breakfast. Okay, is that, is that where you're at, Christian? Yeah. But verse 13 is what we're looking at. Sorry about that. <laughs> verse 13. But he is in one mind talking about God, and who can turn him? And what his soul desireth, even that he doeth. And here, notice... That Job is equating the mind and soul. But we saw earlier that the heart was also equated with the soul. And yet it's also a part. Okay? So putting two to two together, you know, doing a little bit of mathematics of the mind or whatever. You see that the mind must be also the part of the soul. They can't be exactly the same. Okay? But your heart has thoughts and intents. What's this for then? I always talked about my mind when I talked about thinking. It's a very good question. Okay? So let's think about that. Okay. Go to Daniel 2. Daniel 2. Try to get one more verse here. Because really, we'd have to dig a lot for me to actually show you all these things. I just want to, you know, we'll touch the surface here this morning. And I know a lot of brethren here are students of the word like I am, so we like to dig. But in Daniel 2, looking for those nuggets of gold, if you will. Daniel 2 and verse 29, interestingly enough. Okay. Notice here that Daniel says to Nebuchadnezzar, As for thee, O king, thy thoughts came into thy mind. So you have thoughts there also. Upon thy bed, which should come to pass hereafter, and he that revealeth secrets maketh known to thee what shall come to pass. But notice in his dream he's hearing from God is what Dan is saying, and that gets processed in the mind. Okay. Now, remember, we talked about the thoughts and intents of the heart, dealing with reasoning from within. But it's through your mind that you reason about things that come from without. Maybe when God talks to you. Maybe when I'm talking to you. Okay. Maybe when your significant other is. Those are the thoughts that are processed there. Okay. Many of you know the scripture. I think it's in 2 Corinthians 10. We need to captivate all the thoughts, right, and imaginations and take them captive with Christ. Okay. 
There it talks about high things. Those are things that you deal with in your mind. Proofs, when you're being reproved, that's an item of the mind, okay? And so if God gives you up to your reprobate mind that he tried to work with multiple times, he's leaving you to your, the imaginations and thoughts of your heart to do the sin you want. That's what's going on there. See that? You're going you're gonna to serve something, ladies and gents. Either it's God or it's a creature, including yourself. We all take our pick here. Okay. But the mind is dealing with those things. When you're bearing a witness or receiving a witness, for example, Romans 2, we talked about the law written in your hearts, comma, the conscience also, now how serious are you going to take that also? Is it different? Okay. Also bearing witness where? Up here. See that? You're with knowledge from God, and it bears witness telling you, hey, that imagination in your heart is wrong. That's not what God is like. You read the Bible. You saw the Gospel of John. Jesus Christ isn't about religion, the way we look at it in 2023. Why are you holding on to that? Okay. When you're dealing with testimony or evidence that comes your way, whether it's the scriptures or historical or philosophical or whatnot, and now when I say that, I'm not saying bad history. I'm not saying bad philosophy. I'm not saying bad science. I'm saying stuff that's biblically based, right? Okay. When those come your way, okay, what are you going to do with that information? Okay. As you reason about things that are without... Okay, now you have a struggle between your mind and your heart, okay, because they both have intents, okay, they both influence your being, okay, now what are you going to do? There's a fancy term in academia called cognitive dissonance, what is that, okay, that's when you hear the truth that's coming through your mind and your heart says, well, I don't like that stuff, I want to stay where I'm at, I like smoking, I want to keep smoking, so you just ignore what's going on here. Or you change your thought about it. Ah, it isn't that bad. It's not going to kill you. Okay? You've been doing this for years, says your heart, and you follow that imagination. That's what cognitive dissonance is. It's not really in the brain like you hear people say. It's in your mind. They're not the same thing. Okay? Your mind and your brain are different. You guys know that, right? Okay? That is correct. Okay? Your immaterial part interacts with that material part, no doubt about it, but you're really immaterial. You're a soul. Okay? That should be clear. Jesus is explaining that here. Okay. Curiously, there are more verses that talk about the thoughts connected with your heart than with your mind. It's about 24 verses, thoughts and heart, versus four thoughts and minds. To give you an idea. So this is why when you hear the preacher or any preacher is talking about changing your heart, okay, that's why it's the focus. Okay. But God's got to work through your mind to get there. He's got to travel that 18 inches. You ever hear that? Okay. That's what we're getting at here. And the Lord's always trying to dig and trying to break these strong men in your heart, these bad imaginations, break them apart with the word of God. And thank God the word of God is a hammer to smash them to pieces. Okay. But you know what people do? After they get smashed, they scramble for the pieces and they try to glue them together. Okay. Like a broken cistern that doesn't hold any water, so to speak. Okay. This is what's going on. Okay. And so we have our heart, which is like our personality, our sensibility, and our mind where we're dealing with the intellect and things that we're hearing from the world, okay? And that leaves your soul, and you're probably wondering now, well, what is that? Because <laughs> those are parts of the soul, okay? Well, here's my best guess. But first, go to Exodus 35. Exodus 35, I'll give you my best guess. I mean, it is scriptural, so I don't know if it's much of a guess. There's just not much on it, to be honest. But first, I'd like to show you, okay, some tie-ins here. Show you something about your heart and your mind. So Exodus 35 and verse 5, 
Notice the Bible says, Take ye from among you an offering unto the Lord, Moses speaking to the congregation of Israel, right? Whosoever is of a willing heart. So notice your heart can will, okay? Your heart has thoughts and intents that influence what you decide to do, but it's also, as those intents are applied, it's your will. It motivates what you're going to do, okay? Likewise, 1 Chronicles 28, 1 Chronicles 28, touching on some biblical anatomy this morning. 1 Chronicles 28, and verse 9, this is David talking again. Surprise, surprise. Mm-mm. 1 Chronicles 28 and verse 9, and thou, Solomon, my son, know the God of thy father and serve him with a perfect heart. And that became a problem for him later, but I think he got right with Ecclesiastes. And with a willing mind. So your mind also has a will. Okay. So both your heart and your mind are influencing and they're pulling against you, trying to get you to do one thing or another within your soul. Okay. And then your soul does something. So my best guess is the third part is your will. We always talk about what will you do. Okay. When the Bible says that nine times out of ten, it's not talking about the future necessarily. It's talking about your desires. What are you going to choose to do? So free will is a real biblical thing. Sorry, Calvinism. Gone. Okay, it's out, it's out of the window. See that? doesn't even make sense if you just read. There's literally the word free will is in the Bible, but we'll, we'll put that aside. Okay? We also know who the elect is. Isaiah 42, preacher? Yes. Thank you, sir. Okay? Preacher taught me that. Okay? It's good stuff. Amen? Okay? But the point is your heart and your mind are influencing you and decide what you will do, okay? Does that part have a name? My best guess that that name is, is called Reigns, like R-E-I-N-S. Jeremiah 17 and verse 10, that's right. Everybody knows verse 9, right? The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Well, God answers the question right in the next verse, right? I, the Lord, search the hearts. And then he tries the reins. He's pulling on you. Okay, that's why he works through your mind. He's trying to yank you in the right direction. But you fight with your heart. Okay? I don't like that, Lord. But you know what? He'll do that, and then he'll, you know, give you the fruit of your doings. You'll receive what you, you know, you'll reap what you sow. You'll receive the consequences of your sin if that's what you choose. Okay? Now, preacher was doing this. We all know that the Bible says that men are like wild asses colts, and we need to get sit on like that donkey was in Palm Sunday. But guess what? I'm sure it had reins. It had to be yanked to guide it in the proper direction. Okay? What if you're like Balaam where your donkey isn't listening to you because it's paying more attention to God? Well, amen to that donkey, amen. Okay, and Balaam, wake up. Okay? But this is the idea. We're always fighting God. We're trying to take the reins from him, and he's the one that's got to take the reins. He's got to domesticate us. So when he does that, he influences our will. Okay? That's why Paul said, okay, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, right? And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your, your mind. So you can know what? What is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God? God, you tell me in my mind, what should I want to do so I can guide my soul in the right direction? And for that reason, guide the rest of my being in the right direction. And if I receive these things, they will pull and tug in my heart to a point where they'll become seated there. Okay? What we mean by that is our new man is growing. That's what that means. Okay? That's what we're talking about. Okay? Where all of a sudden, who you are is changing. Okay? 
Now, going back to the Lord's order, okay, Mark 12, verse 30. Mark 12, verse 30. He didn't put in the order I explained it, but the reason why I did it is just to show my thoughts on the, the anatomy of the soul, if you will. It's not a surprise that it's got three parts, right? But it's one thing. Should, should that be a surprise to anyone here? Okay, no. God is triune, right? There's a reason why, like, everything is like that. <laughs> usually when there's holes in a the theory, they just need one more thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's usually how it works. Yeah. Doesn't matter what it is, physics or whatnot. It doesn't matter, okay? But Mark 12, verse 30 says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. Okay, so God gets in your heart, changes your purposes. And then with all thy soul, because I think as your wills are fighting, generally speaking, your heart wins out the battle against your mind. But if God can get in your heart, which he eventually does, then all of a sudden, your new man will start winning out if you keep feeding it. Okay? I think that's the stronger of the two wills, nine times out of ten, until God gets involved, then he gets the victory. That's usually how that works. Okay? And then with all thy mind, and as he keeps transforming your mind, it gets easier and easier to think the way God does, because we just don't do it naturally. His thoughts are not like our thoughts, nor his ways our ways. But he can make them if you allow him to. See that? So I think that's what's motivating the Lord's order here. He wants to get in your heart. He wants to work with your will. Okay, to pull you the right direction so he can keep changing and cleaning out. He wants to brainwash you. That's true. Okay, but at least you're getting clean with uh, clean water. Okay, not the garbage water out there in the world. You know, people complain to me about my children. Oh, you're indoctrinating them. That's what everybody does. <laughs> don't you pay attention? Okay, like that's what, if I don't teach them about God, you're going to teach them about something else. Okay. The difference between us is that my foundation is actually true. So I'm going to go with that. Does that make sense? It's full of grace and truth. Okay. Your problem is you haven't received that. So how about you get right and get on my circle and get indoctrinated? That's what should happen. Not complain about indoctrination when you're involved with it yourself. Okay. So I'm glad that the Lord puts it in this order. Okay. And then he ends with it. And with all thy strength, this is the first command. What is strength talking about? Okay. Now, admittedly, we think of strength, we think of these. And I don't have much either. I'm like preacher, okay, working on it. Okay. And also, I admit in the scriptures that when you look up the word strength, at times it's talking about what you can do with your body as you apply force and influence the world using this thing. That's true. But there's also another application to it I'd like to show you. Go to Luke 1. Luke 1 and verse 80 Luke 1 and verse 80. Luke 1 and verse 80. Now, Zacharias was preaching here. I'm trying to remember if he was talking about John the Baptist or or Jesus preacher. You can let me know. Trying to see. For thou shalt go before the face of the Lord. Okay, yes, John the Baptist. John the Baptist. And notice it says there in verse 80, and the child grew and waxed strong, notice, in spirit, in spirit. And so you can tie strength to the spirit, okay? Now, what did Jesus say about spirit? Well, one thing he said in John 6 was, my words, they are spirit and they are life. The Bible also says that Jesus Christ rose again in accordance with the power of an endless life. So you see the connection between life and power. What animates you to live? Your spirit. Okay. 
And yes, when you spiritually die, okay, you're dead in trespasses, but you're not completely gone, like some people think, okay? That's why you're still moving, okay? You are slowly dying in your soul, okay? And you can, as preacher will tell you, you can get that, that, that connected back into the plug for God, but at the meantime, you're just a capacitor and you're slowly draining out, okay? To, to use the, the physics a little bit there. But this is the idea, okay? There is strength, there is power that God gives you in your spirit to live for him. In fact, the Apostle Paul said that he served God in his spirit, Romans 1 verse 9. That's where, if you don't have that connection with the spirit of God who bears witness to your spirit that you're his child, you can't serve God. Like, you can't. I mean that in the most literal sense. You have no power, okay? Okay? But when you hear God, you don't realize it, but he's sending you his spiritual powers. You're receiving his words. And it's affecting your soul, as we saw here, okay? And then you continue to give and receive more strength. God makes you stronger in the faith, and you keep practicing the faith. And it's an exponential growth. I tell people this, okay? Many people are shocked by me, okay? I'm only like, what, 11 years old in the Lord? And I wonder, why did you grow so fast? Well, I just listened to God. (laughs) <laughs> basically i read the scriptures and practice okay the basics are you reading your bible are you praying are you going to church and you're practicing what the church is doing because if you're going to a good one you're going to be going out of the street you're going to be knocking on a door you're going to be doing something but when you do that growth is not linear ladies and gents it's exponential with god that's right okay for those who don't know you start out small and then it pops like this if you were to draw it in a graph yeah Amen. That's good. I'm, I'm going to steal that preacher like a J, okay? Jake and Boaz there, okay? But yeah, that's, that's really good there. Just think about that. Jesus Christ, okay? That's what God's trying to do. He multiplies before he adds. That's why it's exponential, okay? But it all depends on what you're willing to do. You have to be willing to hear God, hear the true God, and let him work with your heart, and let him work with your soul, and let him work with your mind so he can keep giving you more strength, Okay, that's what's required. Okay, but you love the Lord, right? He he can't help himself. He gives the next commandment there. Go to Mark 12. Mark 12, verse 31. Scribe, yeah, I'll give you the first one. I'll also give you the second one. How about that? Let me help you out, okay? That's how God is. He always gives you above whatever you could ask or think. I love that about the Lord. I ask him a question. He not only answers my question, but gives me 50 more, okay? (laughs) As we're going through it, keeps me busy, okay? Yeah, this was one of those questions. I just, reading this, I'm like, are these really the same or not? What's going on here, okay? This all, you hear it from a lot of people, oh, this is basically the same thing. That's true, in a way, okay? Yeah, there's more to it. There's layers in there, okay? But in Mark 12, verse 31, the Bible says, and the second is like, namely this, so it's similar to the first, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. And ladies and gents, we all know what this is, the golden rule. We all heard this one, right? I like how I got taught the golden rule and didn't learn the first rule, which is above gold. Maybe it's the platinum rule. I don't know. I don't know what you call it. But I can't even, it's, it's wild because I can't really fulfill the golden rule without the first one. Head scratcher here, okay? Now you see this in the world. The world is trying to get world peace with their UN and everything else. They're trying to drive to have goodwill toward men. But you know what they forgot to do? They forgot to listen to the angel who said, give glory to God first. And then you can have peace on earth, goodwill toward men. That's in Luke 2, okay? 
you need to start with the first commandment. Then you can do the second. Not, not, not the other way around. But what, what does the enemy do? He flips the script. You don't have to worry about hearing from God. You already know how these things work. Just go ahead and attempt to love your neighbor as you rob them, okay? Go ahead. Just go ahead. You know what I mean? Now, now, now I, I get it. You know, people, most people are simple. When they're really trying to help somebody, they, they try their best to do it from the heart, but they can't really do it 100%. Okay, we try, okay? I did community service once, but I was looking forward, okay, to get that done so I can complete something and be able to graduate, for example. It wasn't just done because I wanted to do it. Thinking about somebody else. You see that? There was always something small, Okay. But when you actually fulfill the first commandment, at least in your heart, when you start there, okay, God is going to enable you to truly love your neighbor as yourself because people are going to see God in you. And God's going to work through you and use you as his voice by to tell them, here, so-and-so, the Lord our God is one Lord. You need to love the Lord with all your heart, okay? All your soul, your mind, your strength. Are you doing that? How do I do that? Well, you need to hear. Let me show you what the Bible's saying. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You got to hear. Well, my, my priest told me. Who cares what your priest said? What did God say? Okay. Well, doesn't my priest read the Bible? No, they're actually, that's against their <laughs> curriculum, believe it or not. <laughs> wait, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is too much truth. This is going against my heart. There's a cognitive dissonance again. There it is. There's the battle. Are they going to keep listening or not? Now you know why we go through much trouble, brethren, when we're witnessing, because we're constantly fighting people's hearts all the time. Everything we say, even though it's true, it just, it's against everything they've ever learned in their lives. Okay? And so, though that's happening, because we're trying to fulfill the verse command, we're trying to be like Jesus Christ, we're going to be meek and lowly in heart. That's the goal, right? And you're going to condescend the men of low estate instead of minding high things. Okay? And for that reason, you're going to try to work with them. You're going to do your best when they start calling your names and stuff. You're not going to care. You're going to know that they're just really mad at God, not the messenger. Okay? They don't see him, so they get mad at you. And you're patient. You work with people little by little. Okay? And the idea is, as they finally start getting a grasp and they start picking things up, okay, all of a sudden they'll make a decision to really hear God and receive his word, in this case the gospel, and get saved. Okay? And when that happens, all of a sudden it's replicated. Now they can start loving their neighbor as themselves. Because they realized the best thing they ever did when they loved themselves was to love the Lord thy God who saved them from their sins. Okay? So they're going to come to him, and that's going to repeat. That's the idea. Now, what does this require? Your body. How can I interact with you this morning if I wasn't able to use my body to conversate? Okay? And now you probably see what I'm getting at here in this, this, these two commandments. Our spirit's in there, our soul's in there, and our bodies are in there. Isn't that interesting? And the entirety of our being is covered by Jesus Christ here in these two great commandments. And you need your body. There's no doubt about it. There's not, this, this thing isn't bad. Don't, don't let people try to tell you it's a bad thing. Okay? God doesn't think it's that, bad at all. He's going to give you a new one for crying out loud. Okay? Yeah, this one's got issues, but it's not bad, like inherently bad. Okay? Not that far anyway. Not like a Gnostic, for those who are wondering. Okay? They, all of materiality is ho- Jesus Christ took on flesh. Calm down. Okay, <laughs> we got to be careful here, okay? But we use our bodies to interact with others so they can realize their need to hear what Jesus is saying in these two great commandments and put them into practice, okay? 
So God covered the entirety of our being, and it makes me wonder if the scribe actually recognized Like We're in Mark 12. Go to verse 32, and we'll just read this here. And it says there, and the scribe said unto him, Well, master, thou hast said the truth, for there is one God, and there is none other but he. And to love him with all thy heart, and with all thy understanding, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength. That's an interesting thing to discuss there, what's understanding, but that's a whole other message there. And to love his neighbors himself is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Ah, it seems like he's getting something here. Everybody thinks the Old Testament is about all that blood being sacrificed. No, it is not. There's a reason why you're doing that. You're not just doing something. Okay, there's a why behind it. Something deeper, something more profound and important that touches your being. And so Jesus says in verse 34, and when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly, oh, that brings up Nehemiah 8 right there, okay? He said unto him, thou art not far from the kingdom of God. Now, now this is what's interesting. He doesn't say you're in. He says you're, you're getting close here. And then, of course, people hearing this, okay, it says there, and no man after that durst ask him any question. Like, we can't mess with this guy. He's way smarter than we thought. Man, Jesus is something else, okay? Well, amen, he's definitely something else. He's God. That's right. Nobody like him. We'll, we'll see what I'm, you know, he's amazing. We'll get, we'll get to that in the next message here. Okay? God, is, God is amazing. Truly. Okay? But he doesn't say that he's in the kingdom. He says he's not far. Because he's hoping the scribe is paying attention to who's talking to him and thinking about who this person is. You guys remember who said it, right? He's looking at God. <laughs> like, I mean, let, let's be honest, right? Okay? And so he's not far because if he starts recognizing that the Messiah is right in front of him, maybe that'll result in him getting in the kingdom of God. And that gets into these two great commandments because the truth is, brethren, they are fulfilled in the new commandment. Go, go to 1 John 3. 1 John 3. How can we fulfill the great commandments today? First John 3. In verse 23, the Apostle John states, he's talking about God here in the context, and he says, and this is his commandment, this is the commandment of God, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Okay. So God the Father says you need to believe on his son. So he's speaking here, O oh so and so, recognize that my son is just as much God as me. And receive them. Believe on them. Hey, scribe, who's talking to you? Okay, have you figured it out? He's not far because he's receiving something, but he's not recognizing the person in front of him who for three years kept saying he was the Messiah. So the hope is that maybe he'd see that after the resurrection. Lord willing, that happened. We don't really know. I don't know who that scribe is. Okay? But we know a, a lot of scribes and Pharisees did get saved after the resurrection. They did, they did wake up despite them having doubts here during his ministry. Thank God for that. But then it says, love one another as he gave us commandment. Now, some people think that's God. Some people think that's Jesus. Interestingly, Jesus gave a commandment. John 13. John 13. John 13, verse 34. The Bible incarnate says, a new commandment I give unto you. Talking to people who've received him and believed on him. 
Okay, the 11 there, I believe. Because I think, I think, yeah, Judas already left. Yeah, let him leave. Let him, let him be. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you specifically. He set an example. Show you what true love is like. Okay? That ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye have love one to another. And what, what are you seeing here? Okay? The first great commandment is fulfilled because you heard the Son of God and received the truth. That he died for your sins according to the scriptures. And yes, he was buried physically for three days, but he rose again physically the third day. Proven clearly to everyone that he must be God, number one, manifest in the flesh. And that he had victory over sin and death. Okay? Why do you follow Jesus Christ? And not Muhammad. And not Moses. Okay? And not me. Okay? I, you know, I'm not going to rise from the dead without God, I'll tell you that. But Jesus Christ did. That's a historical fact, ladies and gents. Okay? This isn't just some, oh, we, we're just all trusting in our books. I, oh, it bothers me when I hear that from people. You got your holy book and the Muslims got theirs. They don't, they don't even compare. They're not even close. Have you read these things? Like, unbelievable. Okay? You wouldn't like if I compared Star Wars with some trash fiction out there. You know, these people focus on that. You'd be like, That's, you can't compare those. With, how much more so with the Bible compared to that thing? Okay? Or the trippy taco, or the, you know, pick, pick whatever sacred writ you want to go with. None of them compare. The historicity of this, okay, the testimony of it, the witnesses, the manuscripts, and the reality of what's actually there on the page all reveal the truth about God Almighty, that he really worked through his son, okay? So that's a historical reality. That's why we're in 2023 and not, you know, 5,900 so-and-so, okay, because even the Jewish counter might be off there, okay, or <laughs> 57-something. But um, he, okay, he's the reason. So if you believe on him, then that means pay attention to what he's doing. He gave you an example of how to love other people because he wants other people to say, you're different. You're weird. I hear all these Christians out there. Everybody's a Christian, but you, you seem really different. You always talk about the Jesus all the time. Why do you always call him the Lord? I don't really heard that too much, okay? Why is it you're willing to step up and help somebody, Okay. And it could be as easy as, oh, I'll, you know, I'll take this overtime so you can go take care of your business. These small things in our work, workplace really speak wonders to people. Okay? Or when they hear that you're not cussing every five seconds. Because <laughs> that is 2023. People just can't help but say a bad word these days. Unbelievable, man. Okay? Like, but around you, oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I keep telling you, why are you saying sorry to me? Okay? How about say sorry to God? You know what I mean? But pe people, are, people are interesting, you know? But because you become his disciple, you manifest him, and people see that you're different, okay? And so the second commandment of loving your neighbor as yourself is fulfilled in that. See that? Okay? So notice, Christian, you're fulfilling these, okay? Now, I understand that we're not perfect, okay? We're working on that. But one day, that shall will be a reality for each and every one of us that are saved. Praise God, okay? But in the meantime, you could work to giving God all your heart, okay? You can get there. You can give God your whole heart and become a disciple, become a spiritual Christian, and he'll start working on your mind, and he'll help push your will to do the right things, okay? As you're trying to cleanse the filthiness of flesh and spirit, that's why it's those two, okay? And perfect holiness in the fear of God, he's working to attune those other two things because he's already got your heart. He's living in it, okay? But that's up to you, okay? Are you saved? Okay? Are you born again? 
Have you repented to our God for your personal sinfulness and placed your faith solely in the Lord Jesus Christ and his work at Calvary's cross to save you from your sins? Okay. You might think, well, I've been sitting here for years. So what? Doesn't mean you did it. Okay. You know, to me, I was sitting in the Catholic church forever. I never heard really the gospel at all. Okay. But I've been to churches where I've seen people who find out that they're not saved as they're sitting there. They, they got everything here, but they keep fighting with their heart. Okay. Don't be that person. Okay. Give God your heart. He's the one that's sustaining you anyway. Why can't you trust him? Okay. And when that happens, then I can say with the Apostle Paul and ask this prayer that he, the God of peace, will sanctify you wholly. That he can, you know, work with your spirit and your soul and your body so that they all can be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's my desire for each and every one of you. Okay. So I just pray that that happens. Uh, Brother Mark. Do you mind closing us in prayer, sir? Yeah.